So here we are, another drunken science. Yes, science this week. Science. Science. So, Gav, what scientific Scientology have you got for us this week? Well, I figured uh, that since the toy maker was making them play games, he had that sort of chair thing, making them <laughs> do the chair thing. <laughs> Yes. yes, he had seven chairs and six dummies or something. Seven brothers, yes. Anyway, so I thought we'd go along the lines of probability. Interesting. So, yeah, I just started going through a few uh, various instances of uh, how infallible the mind is at comprehending probability. For example, say there's a... Uh, an outbreak of a lethal disease. There's an outbreak of lethal disease. Yeah. Uh, you have a 1 in 10,000 chance Never of getting Never tell me it. the odds. I always tell you the odds. You have a 1 in 10,000 chance of getting it. But there's a, there's a, a test out there that's 99% accurate to test whether you've got this disease or not. You take the test and it turns back positive. You have this disease. How likely are you to have this disease? I am one in... <laughs> I've no idea. And this is a 99% accurate test. How likely am I to have this disease? And the test has returned positive. Is it like 1 in 100 or something? No, it's 99 out of 100. Yeah. Times it's accurate. 99 times out of 100. So it's 1 in 100 that it's inaccurate. Yeah. Hmm. So you think it's... Do you think it's likely that you have the disease? Uh, yeah. See, what? Yeah. See, actually, it's more likely that you don't have it. Why is that true? Because essentially, it boils down to the first is it the one in ten thousand people get this? Say, there's a million people that say you've got a million people. But surely that doesn't matter. Surely the only thing that would matter is the, the test. See, this is where our understanding of statistics and probability fails. Let's run through this. If you've got a million people, 100 people will have the disease. So 1 in 10,000 get it. 100 people have the disease. Okay. If all them 100 people take the test, there will be 99 positives and one one person that are wrongly diagnosed with it. So the question is, are you one of the 999,900 people who don't have it and is wrongly diagnosed with having it? Or are you one of the 9,999 people who have it and are wrongly diagnosed as not having it? Yes. That's probably a bit hard to follow. <laughs> you think? But essentially, there's more people that don't have it and will be wrongly diagnosed as having it. Then there are people who there do are. have it. That yeah. People, yeah. But you, but you don't tend to think that way. And uh, let's say you have seven chairs. Yeah. And six are deadly. What's the odds of picking a random chair and being right? I don't know. One in seven. <laughs> See, no. <laughs> It's actually 1 in 2.3 billion. That's, this is how statistics work. It's never the answer you think it is. It's actually multiplied by a billion. I don't believe it. I mean, uh, 
take for example the following uh, situation there. If you give people the sum 2 times 3 times 4 times 5 times 6 times 7 times 8, give them about 5 seconds to come up with a rough answer. And then give another set of people 8 times 7 times 6 times 5 times 4 times 3 times 2. Give them the same amount of time to come up with a rough answer. People will generally say the last one returns a high figure. Mm -hmm. Even though we know that both sums equal the same. Uh, that's 40,220, isn't it? It is. Well done, Gav. Yay! <laughs> but it's because with, with the first instance, you work through the smaller number, numbers and you and you start off small and your brain gets locked into looking at the small and you can't work out and extrapolate further on. Whereas if you're starting off with the big numbers, you're working with big numbers to start with and you get locked in. And so your brain's stupid. Yeah, your brain's stupid. It's called uh, anchoring. Is is it is it a bit like uh, lines looking curved when they're not and things? Mm. Your brain being stupid was like that. Yeah, it's well. I suppose it's a bit like that with your brain being stupid. Yes, <laughs> your brain is easily fooled because it's stupid. And uh, let's take for example a newspaper. If you if you physically could fold a newspaper. Sheet of newspaper, fold it in half a hundred times. How big would that? How wide? How tall would that sheet of newspaper be? How big and how it would be? We well, haven't written the answer down this time, unfortunately. So I think it would be if you fold it in half a hundred times. Yes, I think it would be an atom wide and two point three million miles high. Two point three million miles high. <laughs> yes. That's a pretty good guess, but still miles off. Okay, That's two million miles high. Just far, far out. Well, you said the first one was miles off, so I Life. took off 300,000 miles, and it's still far out? Yes, because the actual real answer is, it is actually as big as the known universe. <laughs> <laughs> but how thick is it? That's how thick, yes. No, but how wide is it then? Oh, how wide? I don't know how wide. Oh, it but you asked me how yes. wide it was. How tall? How wide? Whatever you want to call. Okay. But our, our brains just cannot cope with sort of getting that far so outside took, of his own if experience. You took every atom in a newspaper and took it individually and put them one on top of the other. They would be wider than the known universe. I don't know about that. Well, how then could a newspaper folded in half a hundred times? I don't know how many atoms are there in a newspaper. But if you could literally fold it in half a hundred times, it wouldn't be as big as the non-unions. There is probably not enough atoms in any sheet of newspaper to do that. Uh, you could probably say you only do it 57 times. I don't know. Well, you can only fold a newspaper something like eight or nine times. I think no I think seven is the maximum you yeah. can fold it, no anything. No matter in half. what size it is, yeah, seven's the maximum. It's known as Gerber's contingent, is it? Nope, you made it all no, up. Okay. <laughs> let's uh, let's take another. Let's example. move on from yes. Gerber's contingent. <laughs> yeah, if you've got some dice, and you, and okay, you've got a weighted die that's weighted to show six, right. Do I get another rule? Which of the following sequences are more likely? 
three, one, six, two, five, or six, three, one, six, two, five. Well, it depends. Am I, how many times am I rolling it each time? Ah, see, this is starting to learn. <laughs> well, there's different, there's, there's, there's five in the first one and six in the second one. Exactly. See, a lot of people would say the second one because there are two sixes in it. Mm-hmm. Y- your initials. So the other one is just the same, but with an extra six. Yeah. So they're both equally as likely. No. The first, the first one is entirely more likely because the second one comes with the extra contin- uh, the extra condition that it has to have a six beforehand, whereas it's more likely to just have the first five than having that six. But because of the contingency of, we've said it's rolling a six, and there's been two sixes in that sequence, a lot of people think that feels more likely. It's more probable, and that's the likely answer, but it's entirely less probable because of that. And uh, an, another one, one of my favourite ones. I've got three boxes. Okay. A, B and C. And I put a million dollars in one of the boxes. Or whatever. Or a diamond or something. Whatever. This is why you've got no money. Because you keep yes. putting money in boxes. I, this is why I have no money. I keep putting them in boxes. And then I ask you to pick one of the boxes. A, B or C. Yep. B. And then I remove one of the other boxes, A or C. Then I'll remove it. Do you now stick with B or do you switch to C? Stick with B. You stick with B. No, no, I I switch to C. You switch to C. Yes. That is the correct choice. (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) You are entirely more probable to have the correct box if you switch. But not likely. Entirely more likely. You, uh, bes- besides the fact that there's only two boxes left, so you think, you, you tend to think there's a 50-50 probability because there's two boxes well, left. Well, there isn't because, it can't be because one of the, you read the other box that might have had the money in it. You know, the C. Well, you took right, C away. I'm saying I've got to remove one of the empty boxes. Oh. So well, there'll so, be still oh, right. money on the table. Uh-huh. Sorry. Oh, I see. So in one of those boxes is still money. People tend to have a tendency to stick with what they've got and not move in. But you're entirely more probable to get it if you switch. Because I think at that point it's still just a 50-50. So they're sticking with what they've got. Because they're not going to lose out. It's a 50-50. And there's no point. But the initial condition was still out of three. You've still got a 33% chance of not getting the right against a seven what is it a sixty six percent chance of having it if you it's, it's got to balance out to hundred. Say for example there were a hundred boxes in your pit one. Mm-hmm. And then I removed all the empty boxes apart from one. Would you then switch to that one box that I left? Mm-hmm. It would seem entirely more probable that box thirty seven that I left out of a hundred boxes that would start to look like the box with the money. Oh, I see, because you removed the one that didn't have right gotcha. Yeah. Which is entirely the same situation, but scaled up. You've got the same odds. So it's more probable to switch in every situation. 
And uh, here's one I know that you're familiar with. How many people would you need in a room for it to be likely that two people share a birthday? Uh, ten. Mm. Or is it eight? Eight. No, it's mm. a bit more than that. Twelve. No, twenty-three. Twenty-three. I knew it wasn't three hundred and sixty-five or yes. anything like that. Yes, which is a tendency for a lot of people to think. You don't think it's very probable at all for that lower number to... Six, is it six? To a share a birthday. But you only need two. Two people feel likely. What happens? What if I swapped one of the people for a box with a million dollars in it? I would kidnap that person. And if you folded that person. If you folded the million dollars and that person so they reached the moon. Yeah. And, and then I bet it all on a way to dice. If you bet it all on a way to dice, you'd lose it all. And that's Gav's Las Vegas story. And then you get the, uh, sort of the more paranormal, superstitious sort of situations, such as uh, the tale of there's an engineer, he's uh, working in the middle of nowhere, and then walking back to his car or his van, he walks past a phone box that suddenly starts ringing. He answers it, and it's, sec- it's his secretary back at work, asking him where he is. And he's uh, saying, uh, how did you know where I were? How did you know where I was? Well, I've got your number written down here. But I'm like, I'm in the middle of the nowhere next to the phone, which you can't have this. What number have you got down? He started reading the number off. And he says, that's my payroll number that you're reading. He says, oh, yes, sorry. Uh, I've, I'm, I misread it, yeah. She rang his payroll number, which just happened to be the phone number of the paying phone box that he was walking past at that time. And people say, surely that can't be just a coincidence of something supernatural going off here. Well, it's just a pretty big coincidence. Yeah, it is. It's just a pretty big coincidence. It's like the lottery. You've got like one in 14 million chance of winning it. That's very low chances of you winning it. But somebody wins it every week. Pretty much every week, guaranteed. For such a a low chance of something happening, it happens every week. And you don't need anybody to explain how that happens, do you? How does that happen? It's because there's that... (laughs) It's because there's that many people. It's going to happen to someone somewhere. For it, it to happen be to you. Us. It could do, yeah. Well, you don't play the lot. No. It's not going to happen. So that, will, that will be supernatural. But to someone, somewhere in the world, it is going to happen. Despite it being such a low chance of happening to someone specifically, to someone somewhere, this is going to happen. I mean, I wouldn't like to speculate on the chances of that actually happening, but to someone somewhere... It's going to happen. It happened to this girl. And when the people involved sort of report things like this, it just seems like a miraculous occurrence. But if you look at the wider picture, eventually someone, somewhere, it's going to happen. It's like if yep. you bump into a friend in a city, it seems, uh, in a big city, it seems like a pretty uh, rare occurrence. But if you think about all the friends that you could bump into, in the city, everywhere. Why not? Of all, of all the, all the places and all the gin joints in the world, why does it have to be mine? 
So Casablanca was in fact a lesson on probability. Yeah. Why not? It was a movie in the 1940s. I know it is. Well, yeah, essentially, as brains get wired into looking at as real world experiences and trying to relate to what we can, but we can't see the bigger picture of probabilities. We will we make it all personal and what feels right rather than what is logically right. We we we're basically ruled by feelings. Feelings. Nothing more. Yeah. Which is why we'll tend to say if uh, if we can cure a disease that will reduce reduce death rates from ten to zero percent, we generally tend to prefer that over a cure for a disease that reduces death rates from fifty to forty percent, despite there being exactly the same benefit for both. It will be the same amount of lives saved and everything. But we feel the 10 to 0 is more right than the 50 to 40. And uh, if you read about dangerous uh, sort of train travel, sort of, there we go. Because that will tend to sort of avoid train travel. Well, there's more chance of a plane crashing into your house, which is 1 in 250,000 chance, than uh, dying in a rail accident, which is 1 in 500,000. It's safer to travel on the train than it is to stay in your house. <laughs> Which is why we were recording this podcast on a train. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's crashing into our house. <laughs> Cav? Yes. What are the odds of me saying Soupy Twist? I would say 100%. Soupy Twist. Soupy Twist.